thank you that it's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, God, that when we submit our lives to your word, that's what changes us. And so this morning, I pray for every heart and every mind that we'll submit our thoughts, our feelings, how we like to do things to what your word says. And that as I speak, heaven would encourage every heart. You know every situation that's in the room this morning. You know what we're facing, Lord Jesus. And so I pray you bring comfort and strength and direction and challenge as you see fit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about Back to the Future. Can you say that for me? Now, if you haven't seen this epic set of films, that's your Sunday afternoon homework. Go find it on the streaming service and go have a little look. But as I was thinking about our, um, our vision for this year with church, which is Proclaim and Declare, and as I was thinking about that and kind of just the journey that me and Neil have been on for the past few years and just kind of the, the season that we're in, I'm in a very reflective mood at the minute, which is a nice thing. And then I was realizing just how um, amazing God is and how we're standing in the present of what we have declared and proclaimed past. And so God started to talk to me about the cyclical nature of proclaiming and declaring. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And hopefully you'll be able to see as we look at the passage of Scripture together that it's not just a static thing. Proclaiming and declaring is not just a one-time thing that we do, but it's a cyclical thing that we do. And that when you understand where you are in the cycle, that's probably going to help you because sometimes we feel like we're in a different place and we get all confused and, and we think that following Jesus isn't working out the way that we thought it was going to. But sometimes we've just misread where we are on the cycle. And so here's the basic premise of this morning. And lovely Maria is going to put up a slide that's going to help explain this. So here's the basic premise. When you proclaim and declare the words that God has given you, you actively participate in creating the future that God already saw. What then happens is when you partner with him and you proclaim and declare, you create that future and then there's evidence of his faithfulness because you're standing in the created future that he already saw. And then what that does, if you do it right, is it gives you confidence and wisdom to proclaim and declare the words that God's going to give you again in the future. So as you can see that little thing there as I come across. So we're going to proclaim and declare that creates the future that God already saw. And then we're going to pick up evidence of God's faithfulness that helps us proclaim and declare and create the future that he already sees. And then you pick up his faithfulness. And so round and round we go. So as I was thinking about that, I was like, God, what story kind of shows that in the Bible? And very helpfully, Pastor Dave Dowry um, just did a little snippet from a story. And I was like, oh, that's the perfect story. So I'm going to read to you a little bit from chapters 3 and 4 of Joshua this morning. And hopefully we're going to pull out some things together that are going to help you do this, understand where you are and what it is that you need to do. Is that okay? Awesome. So I'm going to sit down for this bit because lungs. <laughs> lungs and breathlessness. It's all good. So in Joshua 3, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because, well, we'd be here forever. Um, but I'm just going to pick out some things. So if you've never... Um, 
read this story before, if you're unfamiliar with it, what's happened is, is that God has picked a, a family, Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he's faithful to his promise. And so that one family becomes an incredible nation. They end up in captivity. God then delivers them out of that captivity. And they wander around in the desert through the problem of their own making. They grumble, it says a lot, which is very challenging to me. I'm like, oh, grumbling is apparently a big deal. So, so less grumbling. So they grumble a lot in the desert. And they get to a point where they're just about to get into what God has for them. And then they stuff it up because they don't have faith and they disbelieve that actually God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And so they have to wander around and a whole generation has to die. And so when we pick up this story, we're right back where we were before, but a whole generation has died. And so we've got the kids of the people who had died and they're all there about to enter into the promised land. So they're on the cusp of where they've already been. And so there's just been a change of leadership. Moses has been leading them for a long time. Change of leadership is now Joshua. And um, God comes to Joshua, talks to him about what he wants him to do. And then we get into Joshua chapter 3 and 4. Just a few verses I want to pull out to you. It says this, Joshua chapter 3 verse 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That's quite a statement. And we're going to look at why that's a really important statement in just a minute. Down to verse 7, and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel, so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So they've got this whole set of instructions that God has given to Joshua. Joshua gives to the people. The plan is, is that the priests are going to go stand in this river that's in flood. There's no way for them to cross it. And so God's going to have to do a miracle in their midst. And then Joshua says to the Israelites in verse 9, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And if we go down into chapter 4, it says this, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from every tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down in the place where you stayed tonight. So God gives a specific set of instructions. Whilst this miracle's happening, I want you to pick up some evidence while you're there. And then I want you to carry over to where you're going to camp. And I want you to set the stones up. And then the Lord says to Joshua again a bit further down in verse 15, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. And once they've done that, Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, In the future, when your children ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. The Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. And when he dried it up before us until we had all crossed over, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So if you want the full, full story, I encourage you this afternoon, before you go and watch Back to the Future, have a little read of Joshua 3 and 4, and that'll just kind of give you the full picture of what's going on. 
So there's a few things that I want us to pick out that are going to help us when we're proclaiming and declaring this year to know where we are and what to do. The first is this, and this is really important that we start here. Joshua is listening for what the Lord is saying to him. And that's so important. If we miss this step in proclaiming and declaring, it's going to be very pear-shaped by the end of the year. You're going to be really disappointed. You could end up feeling like you've done it wrong. You could end up like having a grudge against God. If you don't first listen to what the Lord is saying to you, Joshua repeatedly, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua is not making up what he thinks should happen in the scenario. He's listening. What is the Lord saying? And if we don't do this like initial step, if we proclaim and declare and we just pick out things that we think sound good and things that we would like to happen, we've missed it entirely. You have to start off with what is the Lord saying? That's the question. What is God saying? What is he speaking? What am I hearing from him? When we were first coming out to Australia, we knew that it was God that had spoken, I've told you this before, because we never wanted to come to Australia. Because <laughs> Neil had been, he'd come and chased the girl, and he came in August. And you have to understand, that in the UK, um, we don't think it rains in Australia. It never rains in Neighbours. It never rains in Home and Away. <laughs> never rains in any of the films set in Australia. So we're like, it never rains in Australia. So Neil came in August and it rained a lot and he was severely disappointed and he got his heart broken. And, and I never wanted to come to Australia because I was like, it's so far. And then I'd watched all these YouTube videos of huntsmen falling down from the visors and all the 50 different things that can kill you in the land and the sea and the air and the sand. And I was like, who's going there? <laughs> Why? How is anybody alive in Australia? <laughs> what a miracle that is. So when God started to talk to us about, I want you to go to Australia, we knew it was him because that wasn't our thought. That wasn't something that we were like, this wasn't just a hope and a dream that we were like, this would be a nice thing to do. We'd heard from the Lord. And when we're proclaiming and declaring, you have to ask yourself the question, what is the Lord saying? What is he speaking? And proclaim and declare in line with what God is saying. Now, if you're new to faith or you're a bit nervous about this, do this within, with the help of a trusted leader. Because sometimes when it's something that our heart really wants or it's something that's very close to us, we find it really difficult to hear the voice of the Lord clearly because our heart and our emotions get mixed up in things. And, and we can often think that we're hearing the Lord. What we're hearing is what we really want. And so you sometimes need an outside person or a couple of people. That's why we talk to you about life groups a lot because... Life group leaders love you and care for you and are good people to do that with and to be in community, that you need people that you can go to and say, hey, I really need to hear God's voice clearly on this. I need to hear what he's saying. Will you pray with me? And so I've told you a little bit of this story before, but when we were about four years into our journey through infertility, I needed to know, is this ever going to happen? Because I had just gotten to a point where my heart was just aching and sad, and I was becoming a bit bitter towards God. And so I needed to know, 
is, is this ever going to happen? Because if it's not, that's okay. I can deal with that. But I need to grieve it and then move on. But I can't just live forever hoping, if that makes sense. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And so I was like, I was in the heart sick piece of the uh, scripture there. But our hearts are very close to this matter. So I know what I want to hear from God, which makes it really tricky to actually hear very clearly from God. And so God's never going to say anything that's contrary to his word, which is why we bang on a lot about reading the Bible. Because you need to know what the Bible says so that when you hear God's voice, you can recognize it and you can hear it and you can test it against what the word of God says. And so we knew that in the word of God it said that with all the examples of infertility, apart from Michael, whose David's wife grew bitter in her heart, every single example of infertility was healed. They had breakthrough. We know that it says that children are a blessing from the Lord. There's all these scriptures to do with God coming through and healing infertility and all that kind of stuff. And so we knew what the ark of scripture said, which is that it was, you know, that, that this is something that could be healed and this is something that God wanted to do. And so... That's the ark of scripture, but we needed to hear God's sovereignty and his wisdom. Of like, do you know what I mean? Because we were like, well, it could be that we get healed in heaven. Yeah. Healing's still healing if it's healing in heaven. But I needed to know, are we ever going to see it? And so what we did was we did 40 days prayer and fasting. And, um, and we asked some trusted people. We asked my mum and dad and some leaders around us to pray with us. We didn't ask them to fast with us. We didn't think we could kind of push our friendship that far for 40 days. But we asked them to pray. And what we're asking them for was we were looking for a no because what we saw in Scripture was a yes from God. So we were saying, God, if this isn't in your plan for us here on earth, then we just need to hear a very, very clear no. And so... At the end of 40 days, we hadn't felt like we'd heard a clear no. Everybody around us was like, no, we don't feel like we've heard a clear no. So we're like, well, that's a yes then. So we're going to go ahead, proclaim, declare, speak the scriptures out. And we're going to do that, trusting that God is going to do what he said he's going to do in his word. But that's important that it's what the Lord said. It's not what I wanted. And had God said no, then we would have been like, okay, that's that. And I can hand on my heart say that, that we would have been like, okay, in your wisdom and in your sovereignty, after a while, we probably would have cried a lot. But after a while, we would have kind of gotten there with that. And so when you're thinking about what am I going to proclaim and declare this year, or proclaiming and declaring the words that God has given to you, we have to start with what is the Lord saying? Are you listening to what God is speaking? So that's the first thing. The second thing in Scripture we see is that Joshua was obedient to speak out, to proclaim and declare what the Lord had told him. We see this in Joshua 3 verse 5, where he says very confidently, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now we read that, and we're, we, we've got the next few verses where we see that the Lord did do wonders amongst them. So for us, that just sounds great. But for Joshua, no wonders had been done amongst them yet. Nothing had happened. He has to speak it out. He has to proclaim and declare. He has to make it a statement of faith that, hey, everybody, tomorrow, not like, you know, woolly, at some point in the future, God's going to be nice to us. No, tomorrow, 
the Lord is going to do wonders among you. He had a statement of faith in his mouth. That's a sacrifice of praise. He's in the before bit of seeing it. We, we think, oh, it's okay because we know the end of the story. But for Joshua, he's in the middle of the story. He doesn't know the ending yet. And so we see him confidently proclaim and declare and be obedient to speak it out. And I think that's really important for us this year because you can listen to what the Lord is saying to you, but you can be fearful or timid or not obedient when the time comes to speak it out confidently, to not proclaim in faith what it is that God has said to you. That confession, I think of it this way, is like the incense of faith when we place our hopes and our dreams on the altar of God's ability to do the impossible. Because Joshua comes to them and says, consecrate yourselves, God's gonna do an amazing work among you. This is his first big leadership test. This is his first big thing that he has to do without Moses by his side. This is his first big, okay guys, this is what we're gonna do. And I really hope this is gonna work because... I'm in charge, and I'm in charge of the whole nation. It's not just Joshua looking out for himself and his family, but he says this to an entire nation, and then the entire nation has to follow what it is that Joshua is saying. Will he act in faith? Will he say and speak out what God has told him to? When all the evidence points to the contrary, It'd be really easy for Joshua to say, consecrate yourselves, everybody. Tomorrow, God's going to do amazing things. If it's like, you know, a little trickle, it's like a little stream. And, you know, it's really easy for everybody to get past. But it's not. It's in flood. They need a miracle. Joshua has to be in the place of declaring out something that seems highly unlikely. And if you put yourself in Joshua's shoes with this, I'm sure he had doubts. I'm sure he was thinking, this is a bit deja vu-y, God. We've got a whole nation, a big body of water that we can't cross any other way. And you've said that we're gonna get across it. And if I was Joshua, I'd be like, can we find the staff, like, you know, Moses' staff, that can we do it the way that we did it before? Or is everybody going to think that I'm just trying to prove that I'm the new Moses? Or is everybody going to think that I'm just trying to kind of take over Moses' mantle, I'm trying to copy him, like I haven't got any original leadership ideas. Like I'm just, you know, I've gathered a few people around me and I'm like, guys, what shall we do? Oh, well, let's just let's start off with water crossing like Moses did because that's going to help kind of build some leadership points with you in the nation. No, he doesn't. He listens to what the Lord says. Then he speaks it out in faith. But he, yes, speaks it out in faith. But I'm sure he had doubt. And often we can think that just because we need to have faith in a moment, if if there's any doubt at all, then it's going to kind of cancel out our faith. But when we look at like the Ark of Scripture and the biblical story. And if we look at Abraham, who the New Testament writers hold up as the father of faith, this is a prime example. If we're going to learn from anybody about faith, let's look to Abraham. And we see him have significant doubts in the middle of him, what the New Testament writers say is living out in faith. 
And so people like Gideon, Moses, Abraham, Mary, Zechariah, Paul, Thomas, Hannah, Peter, having a word from God doesn't mean that you're going to live this year without doubt at all. And I think sometimes what happens is we can believe the lie from the enemy that if it becomes a works thing, that if we, if we don't fully proclaim and declare in absolute 100% faith all the time, every time, then we're not doing it right and it won't work. But then what we've done is we've placed the onus of it working on us when it's not. The onus of something coming to pass is on God and on his sovereignty. And he takes weak and broken and faithless people sometimes and works through them. And so what can happen is if we somehow slip into, I'm going to proclaim and declare with faith, which you absolutely should. But if you have any doubt in the year, then somehow that's going to cancel it out and make it not work. Then you could get to the end of the year and God could be sovereign in his timing and not bring it when you think he should. But you'll believe the lie that it didn't work because you didn't have enough faith. And that's just not true. Because those two things, the biblical account shows us, they can, in God's sovereignty, somehow he works that out. And so proclaiming and declaring, it does take faith. There has to be a mustard seed of faith where you say, consecrate yourselves. The Lord's going to do amazing things in our midst tomorrow. There has to be something in you that says, I'm going to speak this out, even though all the evidence to the contrary is pointing that way. Even though I can't see, even though the water's not piling up, even though I've got wet feet, even though I can't see the way across this, I'm going to proclaim and declare what it is that God has said to me. Can you be obedient to speak it out? Can you proclaim and declare, even though there is no evidence of it working in the way that you think it should? Can you speak it out, even with the weight of the what-ifs? Can you bring a confession of faith in obedience to the words that you've heard from God? Because really, that's our side of the equation. It's up to God how he works it out, how he brings it to pass, how he does it in his timing, that's his side of the story. We're not in control of that. And if we try and be in control of that, you're going to be really disappointed and frustrated. Our only part in this is listen to what God is saying and be faithful to speak it out. And so practically what this could look like is when I were talking about confidently proclaiming and declaring. It could be, you know, if God's spoken to you and said, I'm going to provide a house for your family this year, or I'm going to provide a house or whatever it may be. Then when you're in a conversation with somebody and they're talking about how horrific the housing market is and the rental market is terrible and the houses just come on and go off and it's just the worst time to buy and blah, blah, blah. And all of that stuff that happens, you have a choice in that moment. Will you be obedient to speak out what the Lord has said to you? So are you going to then agree with that narrative and be like, do you know what? It is a rubbish time. Like, I just don't see how this is going to happen. It's really difficult. I'm just... Are you going to agree with that? Or in that moment, you have the choice to confidently proclaim and declare and say, but God has said, but he is going to look after us. He will provide my every need. Like speak out what it is that God has said. And that could be as individual as there are people in the room. You know 
what God has said to you, but there'll come a point where you have the choice to confidently say, I'm gonna consecrate myself because tomorrow the Lord's gonna do wonders in our midst. Or you'll have the option to lower and, and not rise to the expression of faith that God is wanting you to speak out, to proclaim and declare. So whether that's health or the saving of a loved one or whatever it may be, however it is that God's speaking to you, when it comes to it, confidently proclaim and declare what it is that the Lord has said. The third thing is this, and this is a funny little one that I wasn't planning on putting in this preach, um, but God shoehorned it in, so it's his point. He gets to do what he wants on that kind of thing. So there's a little bit later where it says that the, all the people passed, and it, often it's called the Ark of the Covenant, which was like a big box, if you don't know about this. It was a big box where it was a, like a symbol of the presence of God that moved with them. So when the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony is sometimes called, when that moved, the whole nation moved. It went ahead of them that everything was focused around that. They organized themselves around it. And so when it's a logical thing for the Ark of the Testimony to go into the water and be there because that's a symbol of God's presence that's performing this miracle with the waters. But there's three things in the Ark of the Testimony that everybody passes by. And I wanted you to just listen to these three things because God said this to me, that some people in our church, and maybe in the room today, you feel like you're passing, you kind of, you're in the middle of something. You're in the middle of trying to see what it is that God's doing. God's asked you to do something and you're, you're in the middle of doing it, but you've forgotten what's close by. You've forgotten what's really close to you. You've forgotten what is near to you. And it feels like you've been abandoned and it feels like, particularly if you're following the last instruction that God said, and then there's nothing else coming, which can be a frustrating place to be. It can feel sometimes that we've been left on our own to our own devices, but we haven't. What is with us is these three things. So in the Ark of the Testimony was the law, which was God's covenant to them. God's spoken word to them. Second was this, was manna, which speaks of supernatural provision and sustaining power of God. They were fed supernaturally. God looked after them. Even when there was no way for that to happen in the natural, God looked after them. And there was also the rod of Aaron, which speaks of the authority, power, and God's will. And so they pass right by this. As the nation walks down into the river and across the river, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testament is right there and they can see it from a distance, but they can see it. And so perhaps you need to look back closely or maybe you're there right now in your journey and you'll find those three things near you in your journey. You'll find God's covenant to you, his promises. You'll find his supernatural provision and you'll find his authority, his power and his will. Often it feels like those things can be far away from us. But like Pastor Mark said this morning when he was talking about God being close to us and that you're gonna get through this. That's what I believe this is talking about. He's right there. His authority is with you. His provision is with you. His ability to bring out a testimony in your life is right there. It may feel like it's at a distance, but you're walking right by it. 
And so go back and have a look. We can often become too familiar with what we're walking with on the journey. So maybe have another look. Fourth thing out of this passage is this. And this is probably the most practical of this morning's. They collected evidence from the experience. It says in Joshua 4, 21, 24, because they picked up these stones and then they put them over the other side of the Jordan where they camped. And so when they're walking around Jericho in just like a few chapters time, they're walking with an eye shot of these 12 stones that have been built. They're walking, seeing the testimony of God's faithfulness, how he looked after them then. And it says this, when your kids ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? You should let your children know Israel passed over Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters until you pass over, as God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So Joshua listens to the Lord. The Lord speaks to him. He confidently declares and proclaims it. Tomorrow, consecrate yourselves. God's going to do wonders in our midst. They pass through. The miracle happens. They obey the instructions. And then they pick up some physical evidence from this supernatural experience that they've been in. They've moved from the realm of declaring in faith to the realm of evidence and fact. It's now no longer just, uh, guys, this is going to be amazing and God's going to do something. But it's now happened and they have some physical evidence of that. God did pile up the water. They did pass through on dry ground. It did happen the way that God said it was going to. And this living testimony is created of these piled up stones. And as they now have to face their next challenge as a group of people, they've got this testimony. They've got this evidence. They've got this a monument that creates an atmosphere of faith again. They, they have evidence of things that weren't seen and everybody that passes by it can see what God did because there was no way for them to get those 12 stones out unless God dried up the river. They couldn't just haul it out because it was in flood. And so they've got their evidence now of what God did. And I think often we can miss this step because we're very forgetful. <laughs> we're forgetful by nature. There's a lot of verses in the Bible that God talks about. Don't forget, like don't forget, don't forget. Don't forget all his promises. Don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget the Lord your God will be with you. Which tells me we're just forgetful by nature. And so I encourage you that as you listen to what God is saying to you, as you then confidently proclaim and declare it, as you then step into the future that God has created for you and with you, pick up some evidence, pick up some stones. Now, I'm not asking you to start like picking up bricks from the side of the road. You can do if you want to start building a little monument outside your house. It can be, it can be anything. It can be the most ordinary things. For us, in our house, it's a fridge and a washer. Now, we just replaced our fridge and our washer because I needed more freezer space because I need freezer meals at the minute. And, uh, and I, everybody tells me I'm just going to be washing all day, every day. And so I got a new washer because the other one was very old and it was a top loader and we found out we were overfilling it and all this kind of stuff. So we've got a new fridge and a washer. But before that, 
the fridge and the washer in our house was one of our 12 stones. And it's one of our 12 stones because when God said to us, come to Australia, um, he said to do it in a way that we were very uncomfortable with, which was giving up our house and our car, everything in it. And we literally came to Australia with two bags. Like two, that was it. That's all we had. And so we were obedient to do what God had asked us to do. But there was a bit of a niggle in the back of my head as we came to Australia. So I'm fairly sure we need a car. Like people spontaneously combust when you walk around in Australia because it's that hot and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we, we cashed our life savings to come and all that kind of stuff. And so we kind of measured it out for the year and everything. And I was like, but we do need to have clean clothes and we do need to have, you know, a place to put the food and all that kind of stuff. And so on the second day that we were here, somebody walked up to us and like, hey, do you need a washer in a fridge? I was like, yeah, we really do. <laughs> we really do. And they gave us a washer in a fridge. And so at the time, I was like, God, you're so good. Because we'd given up a washer in a fridge. And, and so God knew what we needed and he provided it for us because we were in the future that he'd proclaimed and declared. And so then we picked up our piece of evidence, which is our fridge and our washer. Now, to, you're going to see them on Marketplace because I'm going to sell them on because I'm more Scottish than my husband. But, but they're ordinary things. But when I look at them, I see the faithfulness of God. I see the evidence of what we stepped into. And so it can be anything. Your 12 stones that you can pick up can be anything. It can be doctor's reports that come through and say, we've got no idea why this is why it is, but your cancer's gone or the sickness is gone. It could be pictures of your soul sign. It could, be, it could be anything, anything ordinary, innocuous things. Last Sunday, we are at Murrayfield, and this lovely lady um, was talking to me, and she put her hand up to become a Christian, and it was great. And so she was talking about how she really wanted to come to church, but was really nervous about it, and, and her son wasn't too happy about her coming, but she came anyway. But she nearly turned back on the way because she always goes with a water bottle. Like she never leaves the house without her water bottle. And she left the house without her water bottle. So she really nearly turned the car around halfway to Murrayfield Church. And she was like, no, I'm just going to go. And if, if God's really real, like if he actually cares for me and looks after me, they'll have water there for me. She gets there, somebody from the host team hands her a bottle of water on the door. Because God knows stuff like that. He's in the business of delighting his children. And so we were talking about it afterwards. And we were t it was just a lovely conversation. And so I said, keep your water bottle. Don't recycle it. Keep this water bottle. And she was like, yeah, because it's one of my 12 stones. I was like, yeah, it is. Well done. You were listening in the preach. That's awesome. It's innocuous. To, if I was to look at it, I'd be like, it's just a water bottle. But for her, what that is, is God knew what I needed. And he provided it for me, even though I wasn't sure. And even though I had loads of doubts. And even though she wasn't even in a place to proclaim and declare it. But God did something. And so she can pick up some evidence. So she was like, I want to decorate it. I'm like, you do that. I'd love to see the pictures. When we pick up evidence, it grounds the spiritual experience in the physical. You have something physical to look at. I've got a lot of physical evidence of beautiful people who've knitted me things and given me things when we didn't see this miracle, when we, weren't, when we were just in the place of proclaiming and declaring. 
And so I'm never going to throw those things away that people have given us for our baby. I'm going to hoard them forever because they're physical evidence of a spiritual miracle. They're physical evidence that we can pick up and hold in our hand. And so the time, the next time that you get to a place where you have to proclaim and declare and you have to believe that God's going to do it, and you have to believe even though you don't see a way, you've got something physical there to look at, and it's evidence of God's faithfulness. He was faithful before. He will be faithful again. He's done miracles before. He will do miracles again. He did what he said he was going to do before. He will do what he said he's going to do again. You trusted him before. You can trust him again. You've collected stones before, you're going to collect stones again. But if we just forget, if we just are like tromping through the riverbed, looking at what's near us, marveling in the miracle, and we forget to pick something up, chances are what will happen is we'll get to the other side and be like, yay, it's so awesome. And then we forget because that's just how we are by nature. And then the next time we circle around, We're there and we're like, I just don't know if God's going to come through. But if you've got a physical, you've got something physical, if you've picked up a stone from a longer experience, you've got something to hold to say, God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So as we come to a close, I want to finish with some questions to help you turn this from just a hearing to a doing experience. Because I know that always helps me when I'm listening to people preach, I always write some questions down because I think, well, how am I going to actually apply this? How am I going to make this not just something that I hear, but something that I do? So here's some questions for us. What am I hearing from God to proclaim and declare? It has to start with that. What is God saying? Am I listening? I'm not just making up what I want to, but am I really listening for what it is that God is saying? I wonder if the band could join me. If you've already got your word from God for this year, fantastic. You've already heard. But some of you, I know, will be in the seats thinking, it's March. We're talking about proclaiming and declaring. I haven't heard anything from God and it's now getting a bit awkward because everyone keeps talking about it and I haven't got anything to say because I haven't heard anything yet. That's okay. Just take the pressure off. God's speaking, but our job is to listen. Go to the Bible. Read your Bible. Find those promises. Because the Bible promises us that when we seek him, we will find him. When we seek him with our whole heart, And so if you haven't yet heard those words to proclaim and declare, seek God diligently. Seek him with your whole heart. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking until you get your word for this year to proclaim and declare. Don't give up. Don't believe the lie that everybody else has got something and you haven't, and so God must hate you. No, no, he has a word for you. He has something to encourage you. He has something for the breakthrough in your family. It just might take a bit of persistence, and that's okay. Keep going until you get those words from God. Second question is this. How am I being obedient to proclaim and declare what God has said? Do you need to take some action? Do you need to confidently say, I'm going to consecrate myself because tomorrow the Lord's going to do something amazing in my midst? Do you need to share what God has said to you with a trusted friend? 
even the act of speaking it out just is helpful, that it's not just something that we've heard, but that we have to put some legs on it. And, and that's the risky bit. Because when we've heard, but we haven't spoken, it's, it's like it's a bit of a secret between us and God, which is fine for a season, but there'll come a point where you have to actually say it and say it out loud, and that's going to feel really risky. But in that moment, be confident and declare what it is that God has said. Do you need to write it out, those words that God has given you? Do you need to write them out, put it on your mirror in the morning, put it by the fridge, put it by the kettle, put it somewhere where you're going to spend some time? Do you need to say it morning and evening to yourself, just to speak it out, to have it out in the atmosphere? that there's a proclaiming and declaring. You can't proclaim and declare in your head all the time. It has to come out of your mouth. Third thing is this. Can you identify in the walking out of these words where God's word, provision, authority, power and will is close to you at this time? If it feels like God is far away, if it feels like He's gone a bit quiet on you, if it feels like you're asking for direction and he's not giving any direction. Can you, can you look diligently and see that he is with you? He's near, he's not far away. He's not a God that teases us. He's right there with you. And the last thing is this, how will I collect evidence from my current experience? Or can I go back and pick up a stone from a past experience? Maybe as I've been saying this, you're like, actually, when God did this amazing thing, I didn't pick up a stone. Well, maybe you need to go back and pick up a stone, take a picture, drive to that street, whatever it may be. Do something physical that you can hold in your hand and you can see with your eyes and then commit that in the words that you're proclaiming and declaring now, that when they come to pass, you're going to pick up a stone. You're not just going to walk through the experience and be like, wow, that was really nice and good, but then fail to pick up some evidence. Because when we do that, we get into our cycle. Marie, if you can pop that last slide back up. So that when we proclaim and declare, we agree with what it is that God has said that creates the future that He already sees. That's why it's so important. It's not about what we wanna see, it's about what God already sees because He's ahead of us in the future. And then when we're in that future, pick up a stone that's evidence of His faithfulness because the next time that He talks to you, it's gonna help you proclaim and declare, which is gonna propel you into the created future that He has for you. And then when you're there, you're gonna pick up a stone and round and round and round we go. It just keeps going round. So as I come to a close, we're going to finish and I'm just going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what He wants you to do because there's always action. So I wonder if you can close your eyes and just as we close, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? It might be that He wants you to diligently seek after Him to hear the words that He has to say to you for this year. It might be that you need to actually speak it out. You need to proclaim and declare. When that conversation comes this week and the temptation is just to lower, 
lower your level of faith to what's going on, that you're going to be challenged to actually speak it out. It might be that He wants you to look again and see that He's actually with you. His authority and His provision and His power is with you. Or it might be that you need to go back and pick up a stone. Ask Him right now, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And as you have heard the Holy Spirit speak, I want you to be diligent, to be quickly obedient. Don't leave it a week. Don't get to it in a month. Do it today if you can. Be quick obedience, quick obedience to what the Holy Spirit said to you. Commit in your heart, I'm going to be obedient to what it is that you've just told me to do. I'm going to do it straight away. So Father, I pray for every person in the room and that's watching online this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. You've never let us down. You've never forsaken us. You've never teased us. We thank you, God, that you're speaking to us as a church and as individuals, that you're speaking a future that you're already in so we can be confident in hearing what it is that you're saying. Father, I pray a boldness upon us as a people to speak out with confidence, to proclaim and declare the future that you already see for us. And God, I pray that we're diligent to pick up those stones, the evidence of your goodness and your mercy to us. Lord, may the testimony be on our lips. May it be quick to come off our lips of your goodness and how you've seen us through that where the impossible situations stand, health situations and financial and family and all the different issues of life that are represented in this room, you're the God of the impossible. You're the God that makes the way where there is no way. You're the God that piles up the water. You're the God that sees us through on dry land. You're the God that speaks to us. You're the God that does what only you can do. And so this morning we're coming to you in your goodness and we're relying on you Lord Jesus in Jesus name Amen